This is my first episode being behind the plinth, so welcome to everybody. Uh, welcome, Lachlan. Thanks, mate. Good to be here. Yes. <laughs> so we uh, we thought we'd do this uh, this uh, series about the ACL or anterior cruciate ligament. Um, both Lachlan and I are um, passionate about trying to help people with this injury because it um, it is one of the probably the worst sporting injuries that you can sustain. I'm sure you would agree. Absolutely. Yep. Um, about that. So we're going to go sort of answer in this sort of um, episode four main questions um, and the first question is so you know putting you as you, you're an athlete or you're a parent you've got a child or you you have torn your ACL so like what what happens next you've torn your ACL yep. what what's what's going to happen from in the next sort of one month of your life yep for sure no great question mate and look to get a bit of a preface of or understanding of what to go into that process of that one month post you're tearing your ACLs. I guess to actually know what is the ACL and what's its purpose, I guess. So I've got a knee model here. Um, it's a bit hard to see probably on the camera, but if we remove the patella, you can see right here we have, if you probably can't see it too far, we've got the ACL ligament here. Okay, So it attaches to the top of the, the femur here, right, where, your, where your thigh sits, and then attaches also distally into your tibia or your shin bone, okay? And its purpose is to prevent that forward translation of your tibia and also rotational movements as well. And in other words, give it uh, really important for knee stability, okay? And often if we have, if that's compromised, um, can have a significant amount of pain, significant instability, um, usually immediately post-tear, um, inability to be able to walk on your leg properly, okay? You get a lot of swelling as well, which we do see. and. I think that's the most important thing during that initial period of when you when you have torn your ACL is trying to get swelling under control. We mm. find that if um, swelling persists, uh, range of movement won't be able to return as, as quickly and therefore can delay rehab processes even further. Right? Yep. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess when it obviously you consult a physio if you do suspect you have um, torn your ACL whether it's you know playing sport or you know during work or whatever mm -hmm. that may be um, you can also go see your GP uh, if they either physio or G GP suspects of uh, ACL uh, we do certain tests obviously to, to determine that we do try and send you for a MRI or we will send you for an MRI because that's the gold standard of that diagnosing of the ACL yep. uh, then after that depending on certain outcomes which we can go into i guess mm. but we um the, you go talk about whether we're going to go surgically um to manage it mm. or, or that conservative route mate yeah. so do you want to go into more specifics there yeah, yeah so there's a lot of um th so traditionally in the last like 20 years you, the non-surgical approach has probably been um, less talked about however now the non-surgical approach is being talked about a lot more and I don't think that any one person can tell you what the, what the absolute right thing to do is because it's case by case basis. But the, 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 big, the big issue too around your ACL tears or ACL rupture is the, the associated damage that happens. So if we, we might just talk through and Locke might show on, this, um, on, on the model here, but Things like tibial plateau issues, so that is like the top of the tibia. So for a younger child, like an adolescent, the issue with that is a growth plate is the top of the tibia, like an epiphyseal plate it's called. Um, and if you have damage to that, then that, that can extend the time frame of the injury and it can make the pain quite a lot worse. 
Um, and then you have meniscus. So that's the cushiony bits in between the two bones there. Now, there's, there's, some, there's some evidence of doing a review of um, ACL prevention programs at the moment. And, and one of the things that they talk about in the research is the, the, the percentage of people that progress to early onset osteoarthritis. So it's, it's around that 50 to even 70% of people within 10 years are showing signs of osteoarthritis after having an ACL tear or surgery. Um, and so the, the, the fashion, like, well, not the fashion, but the, the trend now is to repair meniscus wherever possible. Mm. However, in our experience in the rehabilitation side, that means that the rehabilitation is going to be slower in the first six months mm. because the, when you stitch a meniscus in general, it takes a bit longer to heal. Um, and some of the surgeons that we work with are very, um, are very strong in that. So you might hear if you go and see your surgeon, they'll talk about they're going to you know, repair the meniscus and you, know, you have to be careful about loading the knee, which is impact running you know, walking long distances, you have to be careful on that for a while because they're stitching the cushioning part of your knee back together, but it doesn't have very good blood supply. And so muscles have the best blood supply, tendons have slightly less, ligaments have um, little compared to muscle. Um, and so there's, there's reasons behind that, but because, um, but we won't go into that right now, but the most important thing for you to know if you've torn your ACL is that you know, the, the ligament healing or the meniscus healing process is much slower than a muscle. Yeah, absolutely. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Especially, um, say, you have gone through the surgery and mm. usually the, the new graft, whether it's a hamstring graft or patella graft or allograft, we'll get into more than a bit more detail, but it's usually at its strongest immediately post-surgery, but then it actually weakens over time, especially within six to ten weeks post-surgery uh, mm. because that revascularization period or, or that blood supply that's um, trying to return to the ACL, uh, it takes a long time. There, there, there is um, not, little to none, and therefore that graft will get, will de not degenerate, but it'll get weaker, it'll get a little bit looser, and that's why we do need to be very, very careful mm. when we have those protocols in place po like during that rehab, yeah. and it's not like your MCL where you hand me back in that six weeks, it does take you know your nine to 12 month uh, process yeah. there. Um, so I guess, you know, the next question we were going to talk about is what can you expect from an ACL injury rehab? And that kind of leads into what mm. we've already started to talk about. Mm. Um, so me personally, after doing a number of them now, I, um, for people that have been coached by me, maybe regard as somewhat of a control freak or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Um, <laughs> so in ACL rehab, I think that's kind of important in that first stage. I'm, I'm quite um, prescriptive on what I want people to do, especially when I'm getting them back into exercise. Mm -hmm. So in that, let, let's say you've torn your ACL, you know, what can you expect from a physiotherapist in, that, in, that, in those first couple of sessions so that you know what, to, what, you, what you're expecting? Yeah, big thing early is education, obviously, and trying to be very transparent with the mm -hmm. patient, uh, whoever that may be, um, and trying to get their goals. So not every... ACL patient that I've had is wanting to get back to sports. Some are just looking to get back to work and it's a low impact job. So th those goals do vary. But say from a physio you know, perspective, if I'm seeing an athlete and they're talking together, we are educating on the fact that it can be that nine, 12 month uh, process, um, especially more so the 12 months if it is someone that's younger. Okay, so uh, also assessing things like your swelling management. Okay, mm -hmm. going through that, you know, doing your ice, your elevation, trying to get that swelling 
pretty much eradicate as quickly as possible. Mm. Uh, also looking at range of movement, trying to improve that so that we can then progress to strength-based work as quickly as possible as well. So that's something we'll address um, in the first couple of weeks. Obviously, again, with that, you know, blood supply still, you know, taking its time, we do take things very slowly, okay? So the exercises that we might go through in that first two weeks post-surgery are, you know, whilst important, they're, they're, they're pretty boring, I'll be honest with you. They're, mm. they're, they're pretty straightforward. <laughs> and so, unfortunately, though, it is what needs to be done in order to progress to the next stage. And if we're not meeting those goals, it's increasing the risk of re-rupture rates then. Yep. So um, just, yeah, a lot of education and then mm. a very basic range of movement yep. and strengthening exercises, really. And I think a, a really interesting post that was made by Mick Hughes, mm. who's one of Australia's, or arguably probably one of the best mm. physios in Australia at mm. the moment, Absolutely. doing ACL injury prevention and rehabilitation, he talked about you know returning to running on a swollen knee, and if you if you ha if you're trying to do that right now and you've got a swollen knee, go and read his post. Go find yep. it. It's pretty easy to find. And shout out to Mick because um, you know I've followed a lot of his work, and he's put out uh, the Melbourne ACL guide, which you know we use in our own practice. Mm -hmm. um, but the big thing to expect is teenagers or adolescents will catastrophize the injury yep. much worse than an adult. And obviously there's reasons for that in that they don't know what to expect. I mean, you're looking at 12 months for a teenager. Remember, if you're a parent, 12 months is an incredibly long time. So jobs for you as an athlete, we, I try and give people little jobs. And then, so if I'm looking at someone from a global perspective, what to expect out of an ACL rehab? One of the things that's probably my favorite thing to say is, well, there's a chance to fix all the issues and to correct all the patterns that you had prior to the injury. And I'm gonna try and make you a great athlete from all of those issues because now we have the time. And we didn't have the time before because you were doing your 50 million training sessions a month and we, we didn't have time to do that. But now I do, I'm going to help you create yourself, you know, a, a better body for sport. So you've got to find ways to drive that competitive nature to, to be better. Um, because then we've got a job to do as an athlete. And I know from my own point of view, that's what I would want as an athlete, like you, you, you know, it is very, very systematic, um, and you could argue boring um, <laughs> to to do the first even six months. So, I think um, that's where you know the physiotherapy and the strength and conditioning sort of model can work really well together. In that, we'll look at the global, yep. and and some of the Lachlan's looking at the specific, like yep. what are we doing, yep. you know, week to week. Whereas I'm like, okay, what are we going to turn you into? I picture in my mind, twelve months time, this is going to be you. Um, and, and that's sort of what I might have in my mind when I'm starting to look at like getting you back in the gym. But I can't stress enough, the first two weeks, either post-injury or post-surgery, your job is to let your body heal itself. Absolutely. It's not to go and swing yourself on crutches and try and do a million push-ups a day and, <laughs> and try and make all the changes then. Um, your job at that point is to get yourself and let your body heal and do whatever the surgeon, whatever the physio says to do, and do it when they say to do it because, you know, they would have they've done it bucket loads of times before and we know how to do it. Um, there's so much research on this particular topic. Yep, absolutely. Well said. Well, um, so how or why do they happen? Yes, yes, no, <laughs> so, great question. So <laughs> let's, let's look at some of the mechanisms over yep. the last, like, five years. So um, mechanism... Walking over to pick up a ball, bending down. Yep. There goes like there goes an ACL. Like how does that possibly happen? Yep. So 
liking your experience and, and you know looking at research like mm. what are some of the key mechanisms and maybe we might even mm. change the behind the plinth and get out front and yeah, show people yeah, some of the right. angles yeah yeah um but what are some of the angles that we look at yeah so great question and so look a few things especially with athletes not just that many also like you need that quick change of direction okay we do see and that that non-contact sort of injury um you usually know pretty straight so what happens is basically with an ACL, we call it shear force, okay? So when the change of direction occurs, okay, the tibia will go one way, the femur will go the other way, okay? And that's because that's the two attachment sites of the ACL, okay? Because that, that, that creates that shear force, that's when the tear occurs, okay? So angles that we look at, obviously, so we call it an valgus, okay? So in other words, that when, again, we, we won't demonstrate, probably a bit easier, but, but when we're squatting, uh, for just as an example, uh, if our, our, yeah, our knee goes, oh, Glenn's gonna, Get it. Oh, here we we'll go. Turn, <laughs> we'll turn the camera and we'll, uh, yep. All right, we'll get show in you it. some angles. Yeah, that might be a bit better. So, yep, I was just going to say this uh, is called knee valgus. So, an example you can really see in a squat, so, okay? Uh, Glenn's going to demonstrate so we, it here. If we do a single leg activity yep. here, yep. so we, we want to have a straight line between your hip, your knee, yep. and your foot. Mm -hmm. So, when 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 you do your ACL, it's classically, yep. classically this. So we rotate this way, rotate this way, and then yep. this rotates again. So it's it's called a pivot shift injury. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we've got that sort of cut, and then that, yep. and then we've done like we've done our ACL in that direction. Yep. And you can see them a lot of the time, and the mechanisms on the TV when they when they happen in sport. Um, and the other one is like a just a pure hyperextension injury yep. where you're getting that shear force across, which yep. is what Locke's talking about yep. as well. But yep. In general, what we look for when we're trying to prevent mm -hmm. these yep. is yeah, like that that force loading through here and then pushing like that, so that we're pushing force through this angle here. So we're getting that like sort of direction this way, like in inwards towards the inside of your body of the knee and under force loading. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to like with our rehab that we're not just doing it in that squatting position because well, that's our baseline, but you know, when you, especially at return to sport, we you need to be running, you need to be changing direction. So often, again, like when we're going that like footy step, for example, you go that change of direction, the knee goes in, yep. femur wants to go the other way, there's that shear force. We need to retrain that that knee, hips, foot are all aligned so that when we do change of that direction, it's that less shear force occurring on the ACL. So that's why we do a lot of single leg stuff, a lot of plyometric work whilst keeping that alignment there. Yeah. For sure. All right. Back behind the windfall. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So that just um, that just gives you a, a bit of an understanding of what we look at post and pre war happens. Mm -hmm. So seventy percent of ACL injuries happen in non-contact situations, yep. which means you haven't been contacted by anything or anyone else, yep. and your knee has your ACL has ruptured or torn yep. when you were running, stepping, stopping, jumping, and landing. So those sort of non-contact situations. So that lends those, you know, the researchers to think that there is ways to prevent it. Mm. It would be slightly more difficult to prevent the contact-based injuries where you are twisted in a, yep. in a terrible shape. Yeah, yep. um, of course. I think we'd all agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, well, so then the other thing is female athletes versus male athletes. Yes. So let's talk about this quickly, yep. but it's two to eight times more likely mm -hmm. if you're a female athlete yep. to rupture your ACL or to tear your ACL than if you're a male athlete. Um, and that's, per, that's in relative terms. 
Yep. Male athletes still have more ACL total injuries, mm-hmm. but with the rise in contact and uh, females playing contact sport and, and running court and field sports, being especially the football codes, yep. this is something that we um, we are working really hard with, especially in my sort of realm at the moment, to try and focus on preventing them. So, um, and that's probably a chat from maybe you know, maybe later on today or maybe another time, mm. but preventing them, there's there's 50 to 60% likelihood of preventing an ACL from doing 20 minutes yep. of work two to three times a week. So that is worth doing. Yep. If it was 5%, I'm not sure whether I would sell it as hard as I do, but 50 to 60% yeah. is, is, worth, is worth doing. Yep. Um, so then probably the last question is, can you prevent an ACL? Um, well, the answer is in the research. It's, you know, probably read 40 to, between 40 and 50 research papers focusing on injury prevention programs of ACL in adolescents recently. Yep. And I've read some adult papers as well, and it's very, very dominant. It's 50 to 60% um, yep. across, across a wide range of papers that have said, you know, this really works. Yep. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, no, definitely. You can't. There is clear evidence to suggest that prevention is more than possible. And what I like about it too, with the research that's coming out, is the exercises to attain that prevention are they're not difficult and they're not time consuming, as you said. You know, twenty to thirty minutes. You know, uh, it's. Then they're pretty generally basic strength exercise. You don't need to be in a gym. Uh, you, right. you you can do them at home. You can do them. You know, before, warming up prior to your sport. Um, yeah. So like I, absolutely, it's it's exciting and uh, it's great research, but still more needs to be done though. Uh, obviously, if we can get that number even higher, great. But still, fifty to sixty percent um, to avoid injury or re rupture. Um, yeah, no, just just from doing that, it's definitely worth it. That's for sure. Um, so just to go through some basic structures of mm. what you should do. So mm. I looked at lots and lots of prevention studies. So the most dominant theme is um, strengthening, balance, like balance or proprioception or neuromuscular training, mm-hmm. and then plyometric training. Yep. They're the most dominant of how to prevent an ACL injury. Yep. So for example, this would be an example mm-hmm. thing that you, you could start doing as long as you do it well. And then yep. the other critical factor is the supervision yep. technique feedback in a lot of the studies is a dominant um, factor as well. So that made a difference in the, in the, in the researcher's opinion. Yep. So for example, being able to perform a good lunge pattern. So starting with a static, then progressing to dynamic, then like clock or multi-directional lunges, tolerating different ranges of motion in a strengthening pattern. Trying to progress to any yep. sort of single leg squat pattern yep. without valves. Yep. So you might start in a balanced supported mode with mm. like a lunge pattern into a single leg squat. Yep. Nordics, so um, for anyone that doesn't know what they are, we might publish them some videos of some of the exercises after this, but Nordics um, are dominant in the in the research um, in terms of creating hamstring strength. Yep. Um, any sort of glute exercises are seen to be positive. So yep. whether it starts with a glute bridge, which yep. can be done on the ground, you, you can use mini bands. Yep. And then plyometrics. So plyometrics are a wide range. So any landing control-based exercise to start with, the plus side of all this is that you become a better athlete from preventing an ACL. Yep. So if you can perform a good lunge pattern, good single leg squat pattern, 
a good Nordic pattern. Mm. I mean, they're, they're some of your key lower body yep. strength exercises yep. that we'd want to see in a normal gym program. Yep. So, for example, if you're already doing the gym work, then you could probably argue that you could just do a generalised warm-up with the plyometric loading twice a week on grass in a court or a field-based sport, and you've covered a lot of your ACL benefits. So yep. I wouldn't suggest that, um, that say, you're going to send an athlete to the gym twice a week, and then you're going to do another two strength and then plyometric sessions. Yep. With a younger athlete, you may end up just making them sore. Yeah, so if they're already in the gym, you take them out of the strength work and you just put them in the plyometrics. The plyometrics vary quite widely. So I know I value how it's done yeah. like every day more yeah. than just doing the work. So if I can get two to three really good sets at a time out of somebody, I value that over just plundering through yeah. like 10 sets. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, anyone that's yeah. done this sort of thing would agree. Yeah, absolutely. So things like a double leg jump, you mm. know, landing without valgus, double leg jump, then progressing to a single leg landing. Yep progressing to any sort of contact base. So contact in the air, distracting yeah. you with a ball, distracting you with an object like a hurdle, yep. progressing that just generalized motor skill pathway along. So if you're a coach, pick three plyometric exercises, do two to three sets of every exercise, you know, six to 10 contacts on the ground each exercise and progress that along from double leg work into yep. single leg work by the end of a season. And, and you're doing your athletes a significant favor. Yep and only progress your athletes when they're, they're demonstrating competency. Yep. So might mean that half your team in an adolescent team are doing single leg work and half yep. are still doing double leg work. But with 50 to 60% results, it, it's, it's, it's really something that should be done yep. um, by every single coach of every single, at least adolescence. And then into adulthood, well, the athletes should be responsible enough to do it themselves. Yep. But I know that it's boring and I yep. know it's not exciting. But yep. after having to have so many discussions now with <laughs> athletes, parents, support people, family about, hey, I'm really sorry, mm. but this is most likely going to take six to 18 months for you yep. to be back to full yep. athletic you know, prowess. Yep. The big question that I want to finish on is can you afford, mm. can you afford to have 12 months off? Yeah. No, exactly right. Yeah, no, and... Uh, I think the big thing, yeah, with like that 12 months off, then uh, that, that usually really hits home with them in particular. Like if they, you know, whether it's going to work, whether it's, you know, all for athletes, you know, if, if they're cutting corners, if they're going it too short, they're going too early with it, um, I'll, I often add this on, okay, if you can't do it, well then what about another 12 months after that? And another 12 months, because at the end of the day, if you're cutting those corners, you, the re-rupture rate is significantly increased. And that's that's why, and usually, usually it's time. Sometimes for some, uh, they take a little bit of extra um, prodding, <laughs> a little bit of extra reinforcement. Um, but again, we, you've got to make that message very clear. Otherwise, um, yeah, that, that's when things can go. Or another thing I'll just quickly add, uh, you did touch on it with the strength stuff. I do see commonly around that six, oh, even probably four to six months, you know, it's getting boring, but, you know, they're getting stronger, they're getting a bit more confident, yeah. they start loading more, okay, even outside of recommendations, uh, and all of a sudden they come in, you know, one week and my knee's really sore, and they freak out, you know, uh, oh, have I hurt my knee again, the, and we test it all, and usually, most of the time it's, it's all fine, the, the reason that 
pain is aggravating is due to overloading. Okay? Yeah. So it is important to know with ACLs, especially for teenagers who just after surgery, they see their quads deteriorate. They, see, they, they want to smash quads. They want to really get their quads. But it's not just a quad strengthening based rehab. Glenn touched it before, you've got to strengthen it. Gluteal function is so important, especially for that reduction in valgus, because if that's not happening, um, no matter how strong your quads are, you're not eliminating that mechanism of injury to prevent re-rupture, okay? So that's why, yes, the work is boring, but we've got to target everything, uh, so that way we can get you back on on the field within that time frame required. So just, yeah, a little tip I see all the time. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so I think to finish, mm. let's just look at your top three things. If you're looking at this and you've just had a rupture and we're just taking you through a bit of a life cycle. Mm. <laughs> if, you're, if you're sitting there right now, so what are the things, well, let's just rehash swelling management. Yep. You talked about that before. Yep. Let's just look at what you would ask someone to do right now if they've torn their ACL. Yep, okay. So I would ask them rest immediately. Okay, yep. yep. So... No, obviously no running, but like trying to minimise even walking as much as you can. Okay, icing 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off, doing that regularly throughout the day. Okay, elevation as well. Uh, compression, um, the new research is a little bit more 50-50 now, but like I, I still find for some people it is helpful, so I, I do recommend it still. Okay, yeah. even though I do I do understand the research is not as prominent as it was back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So uh, I have found good benefits with some patients there. That's why I don't... Okay, we are research-based, but at the same time, you know, if someone goes, oh, I feel so much better, <laughs> especially early on, and that means they'll comply more, yep. then absolutely, yeah, we'll get compression on. So ice compression, elevate, rest, or your rice therapy, essentially. Um, critical in, those, in, that, in that first week alone, um, and staying off your feet as much as we said before, body needs to rest, um, because if you're walking on that with swelling, it's going to delay your rehab, it's going to... Even if it's even if it's prior to surgery, you know we need to prehab it as best as we can, so you can have even better outcomes post surgery. So that's the main thing I'm talking about with swelling. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, again, if anyone has any questions, more than welcome to contact us. Um, we yep. do understand it is a very hard injury to both have and then to, to rehabilitate due to the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, so for people out there that are currently working through ACL rehab. Um, you know, props up to you because we know that it's it's tough. But yep. you know, persistence, patience, yep. that'll get you that will get you the rewards. And just doing the little things that are really at a, yep. little things well at a really high level um, yep. will make rehab work long term more than likely. Yep. And all I love about here, especially at Vector Health, you know, just the physiotherapy on my side of it. We've got the strength and conditioning, the exercise physiology. We have a great team that can combat and work together throughout that 12-month period if it takes um, to yeah, get meet those goals that you require. So, um, yeah, no, thanks, Glenn. Appreciate no it. Appreciate thanks, Yeah, good to do. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome.